Hey, it's Kevin. Thanks for joining us online today here at Thrive Church. You've actually joined us in a series called First Fruits. And no, it's not about eating your fruits and vegetables, though you should eat your fruits and vegetables because they're good for you. Um, This series, what we're looking at is how do we leverage our resources to honor God? We believe everything that God has given us is from Him. Every resource, every dollar, every breath is for God. And so as a follower of Jesus, we want to also return that back to God and say, we want to honor you. And we have a saying at Thrive that God gets the first and the best and then we'll trust him with what's left. Or we'll give God the first and the best and we'll honor him with what's left. And so in the same way, we want to teach you during this series how to honor God and leverage your resources to build God's kingdom. Because you'll have a focus. Either I'll build my kingdom or I'll build God's kingdom. And sometimes those kingdoms are opposed. And we want to help you as a follower of Jesus today to see the blessings and the benefits and the rewards of building God's kingdom and putting him first. Why? Because he's given us everything that we have. Hope you enjoy today's message from one of our communicators here at Thrive Church. I uh, have a confession to make. I am not a mechanic. I know nothing about vehicles. Okay, that's a lie. I know very little about vehicles. So if you were to approach me and say, Keith, I have this vehicular problem, I'm going to go ahead and tell you exactly what I'll tell you. Google it. Because I don't know. Let me prove it to you. Every fall, I have this situation that happens. Um, It's called cold weather, if you didn't know. And what happens is ever since I have a Jeep and... As I go and crank my vehicle, it happens every time. The first time I have a real, true cold snap, I crank it, it starts running, and ding. And the first time it happened, I didn't know what that meant. This, is, this was new to me. This was foreign, and this weird little symbol and exclamation point. I was like, why are you so excited, Jeep? You shouldn't be this excited. It's cold. So I Googled it. And turns out some of you are like, I already know what that is. I know what he's going to say. Um, it's tire pressure. And I freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh, my, oh, I can't get anywhere. No, it just meant my tire pressure is low. You need to go to, and I say, this is the only place I go to fix my tire pressure needs, and that is Wawa. You know why? Because it's free. And if you did not know that you can get free air at Wawa, you're welcome. Oh, I saved you so much dollars and quarters and having to the awkward, can I have change? for No, no, no. Wawa, free air. Just have patience because there's probably someone else in front of you that needs it too. So here's what happened. I go there. I check my tire pressure. And I was like, well, this is weird. It's really only like just a little bit off. I'm okay. I'm not going to worry about it. Fast forward approximately seven days. It is a Sunday. This was last year. I had just preached. I walk out to my vehicle. I crank and turn my vehicle on. Ding. I get out because I'm going to at least look at the tires. My back right tire was completely flat. If I had only paid attention to the ding, I wouldn't have had to be inconvenienced, to have to somehow take this tire off, go pump it for air. Because here's the thing, it didn't have a hole in it. There was nothing wrong. It just lost pressure. And I could have prevented it had I just paid attention to it. In this series that we're in called First Fruits, this is the third week of the series, today is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be your ding. Ding. 
That's even better one. I like the tone of that one. I'm going to go with that key next time. Because what we're going to talk about today and what we've talked about the last few weeks is specifically how God wants us to handle our finances. Now, typically, we tense up the moment anyone talks about, don't you tell me what to do with my money. I know what I need to do with my money because we have an issue of trust. And I'm going to go ahead and say what Pastor Kevin said last week, what I said the week before that. I'm just going to go ahead and get it out of the way so we can all breathe a sigh of relief. Listen, I don't want your money. Thrive don't want your money. God is my provider, and God is bigger than all of our bank accounts put together. What I want is for you and for me to live a life that is focused on what matters most. And that's what God desires. God's kingdom, God's purpose, not mine. So here's what I want you to do. Turn with me to the book of Haggai. Yes, that is a book in the Bible. Haggai is in the Old Testament. It's chapter 1. Go to verse 2. And what I'd love for you to do is make sure your next uh, born child, you name, um, name them Haggai. I would love to be sitting somewhere at a softball tournament and hear, go Haggai, go. Please don't do that. But here's what's happening. Before we jump into the text, I need to give you some background, let you know what's going on. What in the world is Haggai doing? Haggai is not a place. Haggai was a person. He was a prophet. And a prophet was someone that spoke on God's behalf to God's people. So what we have here is God speaking to the children of Israel through Haggai. And what's happening is they are just getting out of exile. The uh, nation of Babylon had taken them, the children of Israel, the whole nation, into captivity, made them slaves, but now has released them. And they've gone back, and they're basically rebuilding the walls. And then we get to, basically, God is not happy. I'm going to put it that way. He's disappointed. He's upset. And... We're going to jump into this, and let's see what God had to say to the people of Israel, starting in verse 2. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. So what's happening is, is they're living their life, they're doing their thing, but they're thinking, eh, I'm not, it's not time to build the temple yet. See, the temple for them was their central place of worship. It would be basically less like church. It would be as if we got pulled out by another country and then were released to come back to the greatest state in the United States called Virginia and have to rebuild this building. And thank God we do not have to do that. That would be terrible. I don't think any of us would even be here. We would just have church outside in the yard. Let's keep reading. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in the pockets filled with holes. Here's what God's upset about. Is God upset because he is, they are not spending money on him? No. What? he's upset about is that he is no longer the focus of their life. Because see, God cares for us. God loves us. God is drawing us to himself. Why? Because he created us. He cares for us. He is trustworthy. He is faithful when everyone else is not. And these individuals are building their own life. They're not focused on what matters the most. 
They're building nice houses, having nice things. And honestly, that's kind of how we can be here in the 21st century, right? You see, we talked about in the very first week how money talks, money lies to us. Money promises only what God can promise, what only God can deliver. Money tries to tell you if you have enough of me, you'll have joy. If you have enough of me, you'll have security. If you have enough of me, you will feel content. But it's like putting our money in pockets filled with holes. Let's keep reading. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. God's telling him to wake up. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvest, but they were poor. And you brought your harvest home, and I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses, it's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew, and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock, and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Is it because God hates them? No, it's because God wants to be the center of their life. We read last week in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. They were so focused on building their own that they forgot and neglected what mattered most, which is the Lord, which is our creator, which is God. And so often for us, we fall into this weird trap where we pray and we ask God to help us build our lives, help us have all this, bless our lives. But the second that we're called to do anything for God, we're like, mm, I don't feel like it. Mm, I don't want to. Mm, we're selfish. Mm, we'd rather be comfortable. Mm, I'm going to stop doing that. Now, some of you, again, you... As we read through this, Pastor Kevin really dealt with this beautifully last week, that when we read through the Old Testament, you're like, but, but we're in Christ. We're in Christ. We don't have to listen and follow the Old Testament. You are right. However, there are principles in the Old Testament that transcends, that is shown and displayed and rephrased in the New Testament. But if you're that hard set that you're like, we shouldn't listen to anything Haggai has to say. It's in the Old Testament. Well, that's cool. You better not be quoting Jeremiah 29, 11 to me about how God has a plan for you, plans to prosper. Don't, don't say that to me if you feel that way because what we tend to do is we say this when it's about something that really grates against us, when it causes us to mm, really examine ourselves about whether or not we really want to be obedient to Scripture. That's what happens. We pick and choose. I got great news. We're not going to pick and choose at Thrive Church. We're going to preach this is what the Bible says. God wanted them to rebuild the temple. God wanted to be the central focus of their life. And guess what? That's still true today. So, Keith, what does all that mean? Why are you saying all of this? And then what does this also have to do with your tires? I'm so glad you asked. This is our big idea. I want you to write this down on your connection card, your hand, your, your pants leg, whatever it takes. Tattoo it if you brought your own tattoo machine. We have electrical outlets everywhere. Where the local church prevails... The message of Jesus makes greater impact. Where the local church prevails, the message of Jesus makes greater impact. And Haggai's day, the focus was the temple. See, the difference between them then and us now is that through Christ, 
when he resurrected, when he came back to life, when he ascended into heaven, we were left with what he called the comforter, the Holy Spirit. See, technically, we don't, we don't have to gather to hear God. You, you know, God doesn't have to use one man like he did with Haggai. God speaks to us. God guides us. He uses the Holy Spirit to equip us to do what he's called us to do. But for them, they needed Haggai. And today, just like then, God wants to build prevailing churches that make an impact for the gospel where they're located. So understand, when, I, when we talk about this today, this is not about Thrive Church alone. This is about churches in general. This is not just about us. This is not just about our Chesterfield location, our Richmond City location. This is about church. This is about the churches in our area. Because listen, we're not in competition with other churches. They are our completion. We need them. They need us. We are working in tandem together to make an impact in our state and our community with the gospel. And God wants to use the local church. Jesus called those that follow him to be salt and light. That where we go, because see, here's the truth. I talk about being a prevailing church, but the problem is we, can't, it, you, we cannot be a prevailing church unless we are prevailing individuals, unless we are doing our best, do everything we can to make an impact with the gospel where we live. At work, at home, even in the grocery store when they don't take your coupon, even in Starbucks when they don't say your name right, even though you told them your name, even at Target, listen, there are three places that I could only shop in three places the rest of my life. It'd be Target because they are fly clothes. It is Starbucks because I drink too much coffee. And it is Chick-fil-A. <sighs> that's right. That's right. We're going to pray right now just for Chick-fil-A to open on Sundays. Because it should. But a church that makes an impact with the gospel is one that is prevailing. A church that is prevailing is not making their name known, but the name known. That is Jesus and only him and his message. So the question is, what do we do? We want to be a prevailing church. We want to be a prevailing people. How do we do that? This is you and me. This is our next step. That when we walk out these doors today, this is what we have to apply and put to practice. Help your local church prevail so your community will experience transformation. Help your local church prevail so you and your community will experience transformation. Again, this is not just about thrive. You see, when you go into areas, you're like, man, that's rampant with sin. That's because there's no prevailing church pushing forward the gospel. There's not a community of churches pushing forward the gospel. You go to an area that you're like, man, this is different. This is not, and let me, let me, let me say this. When I say this is nice, this, you have this peace about you. I'm not talking about because it's the good side of the town, because you don't feel like you're going to get robbed or mugged, or you're going to have to you know, lock your vi- What I'm referring to, there's a supernatural peace that you and I, that when we know, man, God is working in this place. Some of you, when you walk into the doors, you're like, man, this is different. This feels nice. They actually feel like they love me here. I went to a different church down the street, and they looked like they were drinking pickle juice. Listen. <laughs> You know, when you, you know when God is at work. When you see and you experience God moving in your life, you recognize it. Like recognizes like. We're called to be salt and light everywhere we go. That's why I love Pass It On Week. Because you can't, you, you, you can't dismiss it. 
because it's a chance for you and I that we can actually show God's love in a tangible way. One of my favorites is when I, uh, when I hear stories or testimonies of individuals that were reluctant, they're like, I really don't want to do this, eh, but we're doing it, let's try it. And then they see something happen. A relationship is formed. That's being a prevailing church. Not just going through the motions, but taking action. And for us, that's the, <clears throat> pretty much that's the story of Thrive. You see, Thrive Churches, again, it's not about me, it's not about Pastor Kevin, our lead pastor. At both of our locations, this one here in Chesterfield, the one in Richmond City, they started with a handful of individuals, most of which were senior citizens that wanted to see their community transformed by the gospel. And God has done an amazing thing in and through Thrive Church. We've seen leaders rise up. We've been able to uh, plant, again, we started our Richmond location. We were able to plant out another church, Autonomous, into Chester. We are able to support other church plants because, again, they're not our competition. They're our completion. Just this year alone, we've seen uh, right around 54 individuals make the de- their decision to get baptized. We've seen a little over 100 individuals make a decision to follow Jesus. And let me tell you something. The impact that's made in and through the local church, it is not just one that makes us feel good here, but it has eternal impact. You see, when we make the decision to follow Jesus, that means that when we die, we do not die completely. We do not go to hell. We end up in eternity in heaven with Christ, with God. And that's why it has to matter for us to be a prevailing church. Because if we do not live in this, if we do not make what matters most, what matters most, we're telling the community they can just go to hell. And you know what? I'm not going to be a part of that. We are are not going to be a part of that. Get excited. I'm cool with it. We are going to be a prevailing church. We're going to help start and help support and mentor and pour into other prevailing churches. Why? Because our community needs it. One thing, if you walk into the building, either location, there's this big sign that says 650K, 650 and a big K. People, some people may think, hey, that's why you guys raising $650,000. We are not. That is not money. That is according to stats, there are 650,000 people in the Richmond City metro area that do not follow Jesus. And we want to shrink that number. We want to impact that number. You know how that happens? By being a prevailing church. By not being the children of Israel that Haggai was dealing with and their selfishness and trying to pursue comfort. But making what matters most actually matter most. So here's what we have to deal with. How in the world, Keith, you're really cool at motivating me, but how do I do this? You do this by being two things. You and I, we have to be consistent, and we have to be invested. We have to be consistent, and we have to be invested. Because again, we are creatures of habit, and we are creatures of comfort. I love nothing better than when a new season of my favorite TV show hits Netflix or Hulu. I break out those sweatpants. I hit that button on the recliner. And I'm gone. I will binge like the best of them. But the problem is is when we allow that pursuit of comfort, that selfishness, to translate into other and every areas of our life. And I could do more at work, but I don't want to. Will I get paid more? No. God wants our best, our first He wants our bestovers, not our leftovers. 
And I believe that our community deserves our best overs and not our leftovers. Because see, if, and listen, if you've been coming to Thrive just for a little while, this is not you. If you've been coming to Thrive for a while, this probably is you. And in this room, you're one of two. And if you and being either of these two, I still love you. I still care for you. But you're either a fan or you're a customer. You see, fans, they use this term, we. And I know this because I listen to people that watch sports. Because I don't watch sports. I'll hear Pastor Kevin, who loves NC State, fill in the blank, football, baseball, basketball. He just loves NC State. And when they win, he says, we won. I'm like, bro, you, you were watching it. You were not on the field. But we won. Man, I tell you what we should have done. You see, fans are bought in. Fans are leaning. See, fans want to support. Fan wants to make impact. Fans wear the jerseys, which is, I just don't understand that. I just never kind of grasp that. But, hey, you do you. But then there are customers. You see, customers, they don't use we statements. They use they statements. You know, I really wish that they'd have played that song just a little bit longer. I really wish and really hope they turned the heat on because it's cold outside. I really, everything is focused on personal preference. On being served. We're a fan. Oh, they're going to learn the players' names. They're going to know their kids' names. Now, see, for me, I don't, I don't follow sports. But what I do follow, I follow music. And there's specific artists that I probably know way too much about their personal life to the creeper status. Why? Because I'm a fan. Oh. In this room, you're either a fan or you're a customer. Now, I'm going to tell you, you can be both. There are times where we need to be a customer. We need just to allow God to pour into us, to not try to serve, 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 and burn ourselves out. But that's fine for a season. But God did not call you, he did not call me to sit still and become uh, what one awesome individual calls spiritual fat cats. We just sit there and soak it in, and we give nothing and pour nothing out because it's just about me. Ding! Your indicator light is going off. And your tire pressure is not balanced. So how and why and where do we need to be consistent and invested? There are four areas. And in these four areas, these are non-negotiables. And you need these four areas. Just like, you guessed it, tires on a vehicle. Now, some of you are thinking you're going to be smart. You're like, but I don't drive a car. I drive a motorcycle. Stop talking. There are four tires on your vehicle. And if you're missing one, it won't operate right. And I believe today is the time that we get to evaluate these four areas and how they're at work in our life. Almost like check marks. Again, are the tires balanced? Do they have the right amount of air pressure? And as we work through these four, as we talk through these four, some of these are like, oh, I need to work on that. Oh, that one's a little slack. Oh, that one's way overinflated. It might explode if I hit a bump. There is a time where we have to assess how and God is using us in these areas. So these are the four. Let's start them. Uh, the first area that you need to be consistent and invested in is prayer. Prayer. Prayer is number one. Number one is not giving. Number one is not serving. Number one is not outreach. Number one is prayer. Why? Because God can do nothing apart from prayer. And prayer is when you and I, when we communicate with God. We are speaking to him. He is speaking to us. And some of you, as I talk about 
having a prayer life, being consistent and invested, it might intimidate you. You may think, I don't know how to pray. If you know how to talk to someone, you know how to pray. Because that's it. Because see, here's the cool thing. Here's what I love about our creator. What I love about God is that when I pray, I don't have to perform. He knows what's in my heart. He knows what I'm really thinking. And I can just be completely open and honest. There are times where I feel like I might be performing when I'm on this stage. Because I have to present this certain blah. But let me tell you something. When I pray, I don't have to pretend. I can be as honest as I want to be. And it does not shock, does not disappoint, and it does not make God scared. And some of you are thinking, well, Keith, that's cool. How in the world do I need to, what do I do? See, some of you, God's gifted you to just pray. Some of you, it's 1126, and you've already prayed eight hours today. That's cool. Praise God. Then there are the rest of us. We're like, I want to have a heart for prayer. How do I start? It's easy. I'm going to tell you what I do. Every morning, you're going to go somewhere. You're going to get in your car, go to work. You're going to walk somewhere. You're going to walk the dog. Here's what I want you to do. The first time you go from point A to point B, turn the radio off. Don't listen to the podcast. I don't care if it's preaching. Spend that time praying. Cool. What do I pray for? I'm so glad you asked. Pray for your community. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for this church. Pray for its leaders. Pray for Pastor Kevin. Listen, lead pastoring I'm not a lead pastor. You don't understand. I don't understand the weight that is on that man. The stuff that he has to deal with, the stuff that he has to put up with, pray for him. Pray for the leaders in our community. Pray for your family. Take those moments and pray. Allow God to speak to you as you speak to him. And I'm going to go ahead and kind of let you know, I don't care how long you pray. Pray. Just actually pray. So if you and I, if we're going to be a prevailing church, if you and I, if we're going to be a prevailing people, we have to be consistent. We have to be invested in prayer. This is the second area that we have to be consistent and invested in, and that's serving. Serving. Making the decision to serve. Now, I'll be real with you. Within the church, there's a lot of what I would call like spiritual unemployment going on. Now, here's, here's something that's cool. This is awesome. Right now, between both locations, we probably have around 50 to 60% of everyone that attends that serves in some capacity. Let me tell you, that's awesome. Because according to stats, really, it's like most churches are like 40 to 50%, which is cool. But here's what that also means. This is stepping on toe stuff. That means there's a couple hundred of us that we're not serving at all. Now, let me restate what I said earlier. There are seasons where you need that. There are seasons where you need to be replenished, that you need to rest, you need to chill. But a season is different than a lifestyle. Do it for a season. Chill, relax, be replenished, and then get back in the game. You see, when we serve, when we make the decision to serve, and listen, when I say this, I don't mean just inside these four walls. I don't mean just to join a serve team. I mean even in our community. Find a community partner you can connect with and serve with. Because in serving, you're not just making an impact in someone's life. You yourself are being impacted. You're being fulfilled. You're finding purpose. You're allowing God to lead you. And somebody's like, well, Keith, I just don't know. I don't think I'd be good at anything. I'm so glad you think that incorrectly. This is what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says. 
It says, God has given each of us, each of us, that means all of us, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well. Don't manipulate, don't hustle. Use them well to serve one another. God has gifted every single one of us to do something. Maybe God's gifted you in administration. And maybe for you, because I'm gifted in administration, the thought of talking to a stranger terrifies you. But the thought of sitting down with a spreadsheet in a corner with no one around (sighs) gives you relief. If you're that person, you're like, how can I use this gift to serve others? I'll tell you one way. You can join our follow-up team. You can help us connect with guests beyond Sunday by sending, responding to emails, entering information into a database. It's easy. And guess what? God's gifted you to do it. Some of you, you hear that. You're petrified. You think spreadsheet, Excel. You start taking steps back towards the door. Maybe God's gifted you to serve in our kids' ministry. In our student ministry, maybe he's given you a burden for the next generation. And maybe you're scared, like, I don't really know the Bible that much. I don't know if I can teach the kid. I don't know if I can. Listen, we are with you, we are for you, and we will serve alongside of you. We want people to enjoy where they serve at and thrive. And then they thrive. Get it? Super punny. Serve. God has gifted you. You might be the friendliest person in here. You know what? You might make the greatest host to help first-time guests as they arrive, to show them the facility, to help them feel welcome and loved. Because what we want inside this building with our community partners is to be prevailing. That when people experience God at Thrive Church, it is like mind-blowing love, freedom. If we're going to be prevailing... We have to be consistent in prayer. We have to be consistent in serving. This is the third area. Inviting. We need to be consistent and invested in inviting. Studies actually show that a church that has a great inviting culture sees more life transformation. They see more people making decisions to follow Jesus. They see more people uh, taking the next step in baptism. They see more people taking next steps in their life to live a biblical life than a church that does not have an inviting culture. And you may be thinking, Keith, what does a church look like that is uninviting? Well, for one, they look uninviting. Like you walk through the doors, they look like they drink pickle juice, and they look like, I don't know why you're even here. They have this us for no more mentality. But for you and for me, if we're going to be a prevailing church, if we're going to care more about our community than our preferences, we're going to invite We're going to invite our friends. We're going to invite our family. We're going to have them say, hey, will you sit with me? One of the greatest moments coming up. This is like a shameless plug, not even in notes. Coming up in December next month is Christmas Eve. More people are more willing to sit with you in a church service on Christmas Eve than almost any other day of the year. But for you and for me, if we're going to have a culture that is prevailing, that's making an impact with the gospel, we have to get over the awkwardness and the fear of actually inviting. And it's scary and terrifying. Like, of these four areas, this is the one I struggle with the most. Because it means I have to put myself out there and have an awkward conversation with someone that I may not know. And I don't know what will happen after I invite them to church. Let me tell you what will happen. This is from experience. I can do anything for five seconds. 
I can stand on my hands for five seconds. Okay, maybe three seconds. But after that, the awkwardness is gone. But here's what happens. They may say no. That's what we're really scared of. We're scared of rejection. But here's how we have to take it. We shouldn't take it as no. We should take it as not yet. Because, see, here's what happens. You're going to ask them. you say, hey, will you come sit with me? They're going to say, no. But the next time they go through a crisis, the next time they have a question about God, about church, they're probably going to go and ask you. Why? Because you set a foundation for a conversation. You let them know, hey, if you have questions inadvertently, that you don't even realize you're doing it, but that's exactly what's happening. If we're going to be a prevailing church, we have to be invested and consistent in prayer and serving, inviting. And then the fourth area, you might have guessed it, giving. And again, I already prefaced at the very beginning, I don't want your money. God wants you to live a life that is biblical. And I love, this is what Dr. Sam Chan said. He's a church leadership consultant. He said, you can have church without the Holy Spirit. You've probably seen churches do it. They just go through the motions. But you can't have church without money. The electric company does not take prayer. They want their money. The reason why we're able to do what we do as a church, the reason why we're able to serve our community is because you and I as individuals, we believe that God deserves the best, that he deserves the first, that we can trust him with what's left, that we want him to have our best overs and our leftovers. And because of that, because of that radical generosity, we're able to make a kingdom impact. For example, you heard Andrew mention earlier that today to help honor veterans, we're going to be donating financially to the Liberation Veterans Services. And here's why we do that. Why do you do that? Because we want to make an impact. They are making an impact. We want to sow and move into what God is already doing. And you know why we're able to do that? Because I don't know if you knew this. Did you know that when you check in on Facebook, money doesn't magically appear in our bank account? That is not how that works. It just isn't. We do that so that we can make an impact. And here's what I invite you to do. And our finance team might be terrified of this, but I don't care. Tell your friends. I don't even care if they attend Thrive. Just tell them to go on Facebook and check in. They can live in Wyoming, okay? And guess what? Their check-in counts. It matters. Because for me, what I care more about than anything else is seeing impact made. One thing, one th- here, here's a cool thing. You and I, I don't know if you knew this, but see, God has a vision and a purpose for Thrive Church. His vision is bigger than what we could think of, plan, project. But did you know that we have the ability to accelerate God's vision, to make it happen faster? You know how that's done? With giving. You see, at the end of each year, we have this thing we call the Accelerate Offering. You'll hear more about it next week. But it's a chance for you and I to give a little more than what we normally give so we can accelerate the vision God has for this church. You see, if we're going to be a prevailing church, if we're going to care more about them and less about us, if we're going to want our community to know what we mean and what we stand for, we're going to have to be consistent and invested in giving and praying and serving and inviting because when that happens, when we've checked all the tire pressures out, it's going to be smooth sailing. 
One thing that I love about us as a church is that, again, it's not about us. Because through our generosity, one thing we believe is, again, other churches, they are completion, not competition. We sow into them. We pour into them, whether that be through coaching, financially. Last December, we had an individual uh, named Nate Clark who preached here this past fall. They launched Oasis Church in Richmond City. And I don't know if you knew this. You may not have. But after that, we were able to actually, we gave financially to them so they could launch successfully. Right down the street on Route 10, in front of Wawa, before you get to 150, on the left, there's a church that used to be called Southside Baptist. They did a name change. They're called Transformation Church now. But their senior pastor, his name is Carl Payton. Me, Pastor Kevin, we give them resources. We give them coaching because they're doing very similar to what we did here as a relaunching as a brand new church. You know why? Because we want to be prevailing. We don't want Thrive to prevail. We want Jesus to prevail. And that means we partner with and we connect with other community partners, other churches. So again, tomorrow morning when I go get in my vehicle and I turn that ignition, there's a chance that it's going to ding. And I'm going to have to check my tire pressure again. Ding! This is your indicator. As I've talked through, talked about prayer, inviting, serving, giving, maybe one or two of these areas, you start, I need to work on that. Oh, I need more, I need more air in that tire. I don't know which one that is for you. Again, for me, it's inviting. Maybe for you, maybe giving, maybe it's serving, maybe it's praying. I don't know. But let me tell you what I do know. If you want to be a prevailing person that wants to make kingdom impact with the power of the gospel, We've got to be consistent. We've got to be invested in those four areas. There are other things you can do. But if we do those four things, we will see kingdom impact. And if you're a prevailing person, then we become a prevailing people. And then we are a prevailing church. But I'll be honest with you. We cannot do it by ourselves. We are not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We need God's help. And I want to pray specifically that for you and for me. If you would pray with me this morning. God, we thank you that you care for us, that you love us, that you want us to make kingdom impact. God, I pray for all of us in here today. God, help us to be consistent and invested in what matters most, in building your name and being salt and light. God, for those of us that that struggle with prayer life, God, I pray that you put a burden and a passion within them. God, that they speak to you and they listen to you. They are led by you. God, I pray that in those moments of their prayer time, whether it be in the morning or at night, that God, I pray you speak clearly to them, that you continue to guide them, that you continue to direct them. I pray for those that are struggling with uh, taking the next step to serve. God, I pray that you help them to get beyond the risk and to take that next step to serve, to make an impact to also bring fulfillment into how you've gifted them, that they will use the gift that you've given them to serve others well. I pray for those that struggle with inviting, and whether that's inviting them to church or inviting them to follow you by sharing the gospel. God, I pray let it be a burden that we care more about their eternal destination than our comfort. God, help us to have these conversations, open doors for the gospel. God, I pray for those of us that are struggling with with giving. 
God, help us to give you our best overs, not our leftovers. Let us give cheerfully. Let us be generous because it is not ours to begin with. It is yours that you've blessed us with. God, I pray that as we leave here today, let us live a life that is consistent and invested in you. That, God, we make you that matters most, the most important in every area of our life. Let us not be like the nation of Israel, building our own houses and ignoring yours. God, may our lives make eternal impact every single day. Continue to guide and direct us. And as we continue to pray, you may have came to thrive this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to let you know that today you have that opportunity. And in him, in his resurrection, we have forgiveness of sins and we have eternal life. And he is for us and he is with us. And today, if you want to make the decision to follow Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that by your death and resurrection, I am forgiven of my sins. I confess that you are Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. Amen. I don't know if you knew this, but every single week, we have individuals that make the decision to follow Christ. Can we just put our hands together this morning? Let's just celebrate with those and welcome them into the family of God. Amen.